There's been a few points along the journey where the scope of the problem we wanted to tackle expanded. Pretty early on I said, look, this is not a company about canceling subscriptions. This is not a company about eliminating financial inefficiency. This is not a company just about building the best platform to see and understand your finances. This is the best finance company period, so that means visibility and understanding, but also launching best-in-class financial products. Hi everyone, it's Julie Rahage Greenberg here with your FinTech Today podcast where we talk about the latest trends in FinTech and interview the industry's movers and shakers. In this episode, I am joined by Yaya Makcharzada, one of the founders of Truebill, which, you know, speaking of movers and shakers, one of the, the big news elements that we covered ending at 2021 was that rocket companies acquired Truebill. Um, so the acquisition hasn't quite closed yet, but there are a lot of terms announced and it's expected to close fairly soon. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what brought you to this exit because, you know, um, Truebill, for those that don't know, is a personal finance related app. Um, and the industry has been doing really well. Your guys' valuation has been growing quite a bit. You exited for over a unicorn valuation. Um, why, why did rocket companies feel like the, the right path? Well, hey, Julie, thanks for having me on the podcast. Let me, let me start there. Um, and, uh, you know, when we, uh, when we started talking to rocket companies, um, I guess I was just really struck by the synergy, um, you know, over the years, we'd been working on Truebill for about six years, and with any company that's six years old, periodically you sort of get inbound strategic interest. Um, and usually that took the form of a company wanting to own a personal financial management app, right? So mm -hmm. it would be like a bank would approach us and say, you know what, this could be great for users. We want to add this into our app as one more feature, right? Right. With Rocket Companies... <clears throat> You know, as we as we sort of dug into it, I think we we're both sides were surprised at at really the potential to to build a, a, a holistic platform around Truebill. So, if if you think about rocket companies, obviously the, the centerpiece of their business is Rocket Mortgage, right? And um, you know, just at a high level, most of the people that sort of end up on a mortgage website are not getting a mortgage immediately, right? Um, some of them don't qualify yet. Some of them are just starting to do research. Some of them haven't found the right home to purchase yet. Some of them don't have a down payment ready yet, et cetera. Um, and, and if you look at sort of the way the business operates today, it's like, okay, well, if you can get a mortgage, great. And if not, there's really not much to be done. Uh, I think Truebill really transforms that and, and gives rocket companies uh, the opportunity to start building a relationship with those users, not just at the time of the home purchase or not just at the time of the refinance, but really well ahead of it. Right? It also gives them a way to, to give value to people or to help people get on the, on the path to homeownership if they're not quite ready. So one of the things Truebill uh, provides is credit monitoring and, and tools and tips to help you build your credit. Right? So if someone is, is you know, interacting with Rocket Mortgage in the context of, of getting a mortgage, but say they don't have the credit score, it's not, sorry, your credit's not good enough, you know, come back later. It's, sorry, you're not quite there yet, but we, you know, we have a platform and tools and a path for you to get there. Right? And similarly with a down payment, or similarly with it, just, hey, like it looks like you're going to buy a home in the next six months. You haven't found it yet, but there are things you can do to prepare for it. Like, let's clean up your finances. Let's start saving for an even larger down payment, or let's build some buffer. Um, and so I think, I think those are all ways that sort of Truebill really becomes key to building a long-term relationship with, with people around financial health and not just around the transaction of a mortgage. 
So, you know, the, as you talk about Truebill a little bit, I think a lot of like Credit Karma, another company that exited it, it not fairly recently, I guess. It feels recently because who knows what time is anymore. Um, but about a year, year or two ago. Um, and then others in the space too. So I guess my question is what, what differentiates you guys versus some of the other players? Like why should someone come to you versus someone else that's out there? Yeah, I think this is kind of surprising, but Truebill is uniquely one of the few apps actually focused on holistic financial health. And one of the few apps focused on helping people in a way where the, um, the exchange of value is, is pretty transparent. Um, and our incentives are aligned. So for instance, if you look at Credit Karma, um, you know, I have a ton of respect for them. What they did is really interesting. They sort of took credit scores, which is something not a lot of people had access to, um, and were typically paying for it, and they made it free and gave it to 100 plus million people. Um, that's really cool. But then where, where I think they could have done something more interesting is they sort of made the user the product. So what I, what I mean by that is when I log into Credit Karma, I get all sorts of recommendations like, hey, you should get a blue Amex or you should get a, you know, a blue chase card. And that recommendation is really based on what they think I'll qualify for and what they get paid for. Right. It, I don't I don't think they put a lot of thought into, OK, like, does a blue Amex make sense for me? Probably not, because I have a platinum Amex right now. There's not really a good reason for me to also get a blue Amex. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, companies like NerdWallet sort of followed that same path. And even Mint, where um, the model was, okay, you know, we're going to give you some sort of value, but we're going to jam affiliate recommendations down your throat, and hopefully you'll click on some of them and we'll make money, whether those make sense or not. Uh, with Truebill, we sort of turned that on its head and said, you know what, we're going to have a premium model. We said you can pay what you think is fair, you choose your own price, but fundamentally that aligns us with the user, where our objective and our business is not dependent on driving as many affiliate clicks as possible, but it's really just trying to measurably help people improve their finances. And, you know, we believe like if we deliver value by improving the user's financial health, the user will continue paying us a few dollars a month for that service. Um, and that sounds like a really obvious thing, but it was, it was kind of tra transformational and not many people thought that could exist as a business. Um, but I think users recognize that um, that inherently makes us more aligned with them. And that's really guided our product evolution. So we don't spend time thinking about how do we get users to click on a credit card link. Our, our thinking and our product planning and our engineering is built around how do we sort of identify the financial troubles people have or the, the financial headaches people have and elegantly solve them. You mentioned that people can pay what they want. What percent of your users um, do end up paying you for your services since it's, it's optional, it sounds like? And what's sort of like the, the median price that people are giving you? Yeah, we don't, we don't share too much detail there, but it's, it's obviously a very healthy percent. Um, you know, I think people appreciate that model. Um, and, and without saying specific numbers, you know, I think, I think when we launched this model, we were kind of surprised that people were, were more generous than we would have expected. Um, and ultimately, those two things sort of contributed to making Truebill, you know, a very viable business. So if you look at the growth of our app, we're, you know, consistently top 20 in the finance category, but we've, we've gotten there raising a fraction of the funding that um, some of our peers have. When someone signs up, is there like a number given off the bat? Like, hey, you're welcome to pay what you want, but here's our suggested price. Per yeah, month or yeah, yeah, like that. exactly. So you can, there's a slider, you can drag it from zero all the way up to, I think, $12. Um, okay. And we played with a few different suggested prices along the way, of course, but right now mm -hmm. it's just $7 and you can do with that what you want. 
If I go on your website, I see you help manage subscriptions, there's spending insights, there's build negotiation, there's budgeting, credit scores. What product did you guys start with and then how did it sort of evolve from there and how did you think about what order to start offering things in? Yeah, great question. Um, we started Triple about six years ago and you know, in a funny way, we didn't set out to build a big company um, or being a unicorn was certainly not on our radar. Instead, um, you know, we had sold our last company and I started Trubo with my, with my brothers and we just really wanted to start working on something together. And so the first feature we launched with was really just subscription tracking. Um, and that was born from us just sitting around and kind of complaining about the difficulty in keeping track of everything you're paying for. At the time, I was paying $40 a month for inflate Wi-Fi. And, and this is embarrassing, but I paid that for 14 months before I caught it. Um, and my brother was paying for a home security system on a house that he'd moved out of. And so, you know, we said, hey, like, this is such a silly problem. And it's, it's kind of, you know, a head scratcher that no one solved this or that I can't log into Amex and just see what I'm paying for. Uh, so let's solve it. So, so that was our initial feature. Um, and it seemed like people liked it. People were getting value from it. People were sharing it. Um, but to me, that wasn't a company or a business. Um, so there's, there's been a few um, points along the journey where I think the scope of the problem we wanted to, to tackle expanded. So the first one was um, pretty early on. I said, look, this is not a company about canceling subscriptions. This is a company about eliminating financial inefficiency in general. Um, and to me, that was sort of the first version of what could someday be a viable business. So we added things like um, bank fee refunds and bill negotiations. Um, and those were sort of some of the most apparent sources of um, financial inefficiency, along with credit card interest payments. So we, we started sort of referring people to balance transfer credit cards as well. Um, then about, I think, two years later, um, we said, all right, this is not a company about eliminating financial inefficiency. This is a company about just being the best tool to run your finances in general. And so we added things like um, a very comprehensive dashboard so you could see your spending and sort of understand contextually what your spending trends are. We added um, transaction monitoring. We added uh, credit score monitoring, um, auto savings, and a few other things. And then it wasn't really until last year that I think we sort of had the final like, step in our evolution, which was, this is not a company just about building the best platform to see and understand your finances. This is sort of the best finance company, period. So that means visibility and understanding, but also launching best-in-class financial products. So um, just at the end of 2021, we, well, in early 2021, we launched uh, pay advances or earned wage access. So if you're short, you know, a few dollars ahead of your next paycheck, Trubo will advance you, call it $100 with no credit check, no interest, uh, no fees, and on the honor system. Um, and that's, that's a great tool just to help people sort of avoid a crunch or avoid an overdraft fee. And then at the end of 2021, we announced um, our first, what I think is our first real financial product. And that's, that's a credit card that I, you know, obviously I drink the Kool-Aid, but I really do think is fundamentally better than, than what's typically out there and available for people. So there, were, there was an article on TechCrunch, and I actually I got this question from a few others in this space as well. When you guys sold and the numbers came out um, with the valuation, and if if you back into the multiples a little bit, some people think you sold you you kind of got a lowball offer there and took it that you could have sold for a little bit more. What do you say to that? <laughs> um. It's a tough one to answer. You know, obviously we're we're very happy with the deal, and and one of the things that was a big factor in, in deciding how to proceed was the actual partners that we'd be working with. Um, I think there's more to a deal than just the dollar amount. It's 
you know, you're sort of going into marriage. Is this, is this a company that you want to be married with or these people that you want to spend the next few years working on a mission with? And, and most importantly, you know, is that new mission something that you're going to be excited about and, and aligned on going forward? Um, beyond that, I mean, um, you know, the, the economy is volatile right now, right? And so if you look at some of the companies that, that SPAC'd, for instance, um, mm. let's see, the last six months, Money Lion SPAC'd, um, NerdWallet SPAC'd, right? They're both trading down uh, 40% from where they went out, right? Same with um, SoFi is down 40% from two months ago. Mm-hmm. And, and those are great companies, right? And so, um, you know, I think, I think it's difficult to, not difficult, it's impossible to time the market. So, you know, I think you, you look at where your business is, where it's heading, um, who's interested, what, what that vision is and, and what the offer is. And it's, it's never a, an easy decision. I think, you know, at least for me personally, it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, right? If you don't, you're going to spend a lot of time like really panicked at what you passed up. And, and if you do, you're probably going to spend a lot of time wondering what could have been. But ultimately, yeah. um, you know, you take the different information you have and, and you try to do the, make the best decision you can. So for Truebill customers, um, as you guys, uh, you know, have this acquisition come together, what should they be expecting from you guys over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months? Should it be more enhanced offerings? Should it be additional offerings? Uh, you know, what's that integration going to look like? Yeah, we're still really excited about the the roadmap. Um, like I mentioned, we have a credit card that I just think is better um, launching in the next couple months. Uh, we have some other really big improvements coming in not just improvements, but also new features coming for this year. And then in the context of the acquisition, I think one of the things that this does is, is gives us the opportunity to really um, center the app for those who want it around specific goals. So today, Truebill is like, hey, let's just clean up your finances and help you be more financially healthy. Um, you know, Rocket Mortgage has a, has a ton of really, or Rocket Companies have a ton of really great financial products. Um, and most of those are goal-oriented. So with Truebill, we can sort of <clears throat> evolve into not just, hey, let's be more financially healthy, but hey, like, what is your goal? Like, is it to purchase a new car? Is it to purchase a new home? Is it to purchase your first home? All right, well, like, let's get you on the path for that and make sure you're making progress and actually set a goal. One thing uh, that, you know, public companies normally aren't quite as good at as private companies just because they're bigger, there's more things in place. And you guys were six years old, so you're not as nimble as like a, a six to 12 month startup in terms of like making things happen quickly and whatnot. But was there any concern with the acquisition that getting bought by a large corporation would make things happen more slowly, that it would be harder to get the innovations that you want to get out there? out as soon as what you've been able to do in the past. Of course, that's, that's a concern when you go into the conversations, right? And that's, that's one of the things you really want to align on and, and, and make sure you're on the same page. I think with, with Rocket, one of the things they appreciate about us is that, um, you know, that startup mentality and that startup agility, right? And so it's like, if you're going to spend north of a billion dollars on an acquisition, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to then step in and, and completely disrupt it. Right. Um, so, so I think, you know, one of the things that, that again reinforced that this was the right decision for us was um, their recognition of the special things that Truebill has and sort of their commitment to not mess that up, but instead to want to take that and actually um, sort of absorb some of that into Rocket and to be, for them to become more, more agile and just more fast moving as an organization. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, it makes sense. There's, you know, cons as well as pros that rocket companies is a company that has money on the balance sheet. They can help you get products out the door, give you extra resources. Um, they are based in Detroit though. Are you going to move at all? Or just given that everything's remote these days, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Yeah. So we're going to keep our, our headquarters in our San Francisco office. Um, of course we'll be, we'll be going to Detroit quite a bit and, and hopefully they'll want to come down and, and visit us. Um, but uh, no, there's no plans to relocate today. Uh, I'm from Michigan, not Detroit, but the the other side of the state. So hey, I, I I appreciate uh, the company doing well for for my hometown. Yeah, it just uh, you know one of the things that, that was really striking was when we went up to the first time we went to Detroit to meet with them. Just what a huge impact that company has had on the city itself. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really I play, they played a, a very central role in in revitalizing a lot of the downtown. Dan Gilbert, the founder, guy behind it and everything, has definitely done a lot for for Detroit and the surrounding areas for sure. Um, Speaking more broadly about personal finance, uh, a question that I ask both founders in this space as well as others is it feels like there's a lot that's been done in helping consumers get a better handle on their finances and whatnot, but there's still this massive problem in the U.S. and elsewhere where there's so many people that can't meet rent, they... Um, you know, can't meet any uh, extra expenses that might pop up for emergencies and whatnot. So it feels like while we've made some progress, there's still so much else to be done out there. Um, what What do you think the next few years will hold? And do you think we will be able to help solve this problem? Or do you think it's just sort of going to be, you know, something that's there and we're just going to have to try our best to to make as much of an impact as we can? It's a, it's a tough question. I think you come at this from two sides. One is just the, the macroeconomic climate, right? And um, someone making, you know, eight or nine or ten dollars an hour um, or even more than that is, is just going to have a hard time making rent. And, you know, it, I don't like saying it, but no app is going to fix that, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we need to just collectively find ways to, to bring up wages um, to increase larger percent of population so they can get into, into better careers, to, to give people more access to STEM, et cetera. Um, so in the context of an app, you sort of have to pare back your emissions and say, okay, what, what am I able to tackle and where am I able to be impactful? And I think that, that comes down to two key areas. One, giving people better access to financial information and financial literacy um, and getting them into healthy financial habits. So teaching people where possible how to avoid debt if they are in debt, getting them you know, to, to cut back on expenses, both um, frivolous and sort of inefficient expenses. By inefficient, I mean, for instance, paying more for your cell phone bill than you would have to. Um, and then the other is, is actually giving people access to better financial products. Unfortunately, most of the people who are sort of most financially at risk tend to pay the most in fees and have the worst financial products. Um, you know, we look at the large banks, and I think last year they they collectively made something like thirty billion dollars in overdraft fees. Right? That's that's thirty billion dollars, not from people making six figures a year typically, but from from lower income people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at credit cards, the the cards charging the highest fees and the highest interest tend to be sort of targeted at um, subprime or near prime audiences. Right? And so I think that fintech collectively in the last really two years has, has caught on to this and started disrupting that significantly. So, so I think what Chime's done is really interesting. They've, sort of, they've stepped in and said, you know what, like, we're just going to have a bank without fees. And I, you know, 
I couldn't guess, but I, I have to imagine they've, they've saved people billions of dollars in overdraft fees, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Triple Credit Card is a card designed to keep people out of debt and to keep people from revolving a balance rather than the typical credit card out there, which sort of wants you to spend a lot upfront so that you then revolve balance at 23%. Um, there's, there's companies like, um, like Happy Money doing, uh, doing um, debt consolidation loans which obviously get people for, for those who qualify off of a you know, 20 plus percent credit card APR down to a sub 10% APR. So, so I think there is room for, for fintech to step in and, and play a big part, but it's not going to completely solve the economy. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense and it's a good perspective. There is stuff we can do, but there is only so much that an app can do. Um, well, if anyone wants to find out more about Truebill in particular, go to truebill.com um, and then also sign up for our newsletter at fintechtoday.co to stay up to date on what Truebills and others in the space are up to. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This is one of the first podcasts of the new year, and I'm excited for additional episodes to come. Likewise, thanks so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you.